Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now for a good time, I hope. like this is a Scottish barbecue since I'm wearing a kilt. It's a towel, but okay. If it were a real Scottish barbecue, we'd be cooking a sheep. Tamer has goats. If you wanted a sheep, not for eating of course, but those folks that provided the animals for that uh, church's living nativity, they had a sheep, a sheep, a camel, and an emu. And you could invite the sheep to the barbecue just to hang out at least, not an emu, a llama. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's not Swiss Family Robinson. No, it's Jesus Family. What's his last name anyway, Windsor? No, no last name. He's like Topol or Cher. Notice how everybody's middle name back then was Ben. Like Butchie Ben Topol Vacher. I know you're making a joke. I can tell you're real stupid from your joke stupid. Oh, there's no fool in you, Butch. No, because I got a motto. Fool me once, you're dead. Whose potato is that? It looks done. I don't really like eating living things. Eat everything you kill, even time. That's the thing, I don't wanna kill. Well, you know, I think the potato, you don't know. See, you don't know what the potato's thinking. I wish I was a huge, sad whale just swimming around with my mouth open, accidentally eating tiny shrimp and not really knowing what's going on. Oh, whales know what's going on. They seem slow moving and gentle, but they scream at one another. What, like whale sounds? Yeah, they're really blood-curdling screams. They're all bark and no bite, though. But they scream really hurtful insults, in the same way that elephants mumble stuff under their breath, judgy stuff. I didn't know this about animals. Is this accurate, Butch? You remember Marlon Brando's Wild Kingdom? No. No. You mean Marlon Perkins? You know the anti-zoo activist Frida Bears? No. Do you know anything about animal projection psychology or patozoology? No, I'm sorry. Oh, so I'm confused then by what authority or body of language you're questioning my facts is based on. It doesn't sound right. Yeah, how would you know? I literally just told you how I'd know. Also, I'm an animal. They're animals. I think I know my own kind. Going back to what we were talking about, that living nativity and Jesus' birth site animal presence, there's an app that can tell you what animals were there when you were born. Where? The app store. No, what do you mean animals were present when you were born? The animals present at your birth. 
there in the room? Not everyone was born in a room. I got chickens and broadhead skink. I don't think there were any animals in the room when I was born. Medical professionals are animals. True. Butchie, you got a spider and a bear. Yep, that's why I named my pub that. There was a bear at your birth. A former Russian circus band named Yegor that was liberated by my mother's friend Frida and who was staying with us until he could find work dancing. He drank tea and smoked and stuff. Normal guy, but a uh, Ursus, family-wise. I wonder sometimes about my birth chickens. My grandmother named them after saints, like Betty and Airline. Well, we all have different backgrounds, and gosh, what a diverse animal world we live in. Yep, it's not an animal kingdom. No, it's not a kingdom. It's run by a bunch of different gangs. Hello, little baby. If you're listening to this, you have just been born as a human child. Perhaps you're listening to it a little late. You've just now gotten around to it, and you're in your 40s. But we still have to start at the beginning. So, hello, little baby, and welcome to this world. As I look into your cherubic little innocent face, that pristine skin, that tabula rasa of a heart, that innocent visage, I'm filled with both joy and horror and pity because I can anticipate all your experience here and I would like to apologize on behalf of those of us who have been here for a while, uh, the wizened and uh, hoary and uh, the old. So on behalf of all olds, I'm sorry, baby, but I am here to tell you some things about navigating the animal world. See, you are not only a human, which is a wonderful thing. You can examine that in a mirror or on video that you take of yourself for your entire existence, which, by the way, may be very brief. I want to apologize for that, too. Listen, it's all experiential, so don't think of it in quantity. Think about quality and then put that out of your mind as well. So it's not how long you live. And it's not what kind of life you live, because you don't have any control over that. So what is it, you ask? It isn't anything, and I'm here to remind you of that. But I would also like you to know that there's certain things that you just have to know to avoid suffering, like which animals bite and things like that, and what animals do and how to live among them. Now, all these things that are walking around, some you can't see, very tiny little ones, bugs and everything, all those living creatures are actually related to you. So if you see something like a bobcat, that's your cousin. You will have real human cousins too, and you should adjust your trust accordingly because they are probably about the same reliability as a bobcat. So you don't know. There's no guarantee that just because someone's a human, they're going to be in your special corner. What's your special corner? It's not a real corner, so you won't get backed into it. It's like the person that, or, or, and it doesn't have to be a person. It can be a circus bear or something. You look over your right shoulder, and, and the bear says, I've got your back, like that. Now, I looked uh, recently at something about 
the Jungle Book. A lot of us grew up with the Disney version of it. There were a live-action version of it. Before that, it was just something that animals, a bit of theater that they put on for themselves in the jungle in India. And I looked and saw the bear, Baloo the Bear, which is a short sentence as well as a name, was actually some other kind of bear, like not, a, not one of our North American bears, but some kind of bear mixed, like some kind of badger or something. I don't even know. Like a bear, when, like in the loosest. Notice how everything is called a bear sometime. Well, it's a panda bear. Oh, is it a bear? It's a red panda. Ah, it's not a bear. Is that a bear? What's a bear? There's the bear monkey pa paradox, which you, you, when you see something quick, you go, is that a bear or a monkey? In certain contexts. I, I'll get into those things. Those are made up. A lot of paradoxes are, have yet to be created because the things that seem to conflict haven't been discovered yet. But I'm telling you, there are, there are many things ahead that are confusing and contradictory seemingly. And those contradictions are inherent in looking. Whenever we try to evaluate something or make sense of something, we're going to run up into things that don't make sense because we're, we're doing something futile, which is making sense. Something that can't be really, it can be formed but never set. So it's like modeling clay that can't ever be uh, fixed in a kiln. So you can't bake it. It's just kids like clay that they, it's plasticine. Oh, is that, I learned that from a Beatles song. I had to look it up. I go, oh, I know what that is now. Just use a regular word. I heard that when I heard candy floss. I think we have a, we say cotton candy. So a lot of times when you, and that was a yes song, maybe I had to look that up. So a lot of times, a lot of that British pop will expand my vocabulary. And now I can speak to, I'm able to speak to people in the UK all the time. I'll speak to them, sometimes on the phone. And I'll have, right there, I'll have with me something like a Duolingo or something, because I know, you know, there's different ways of saying things. And uh, so I get my, I'd be great, that for, uh, app for accents and things. Ugh, no, don't do that. I'm, you know, because I'm old, and I, it used to be, I don't want to blame, and I know I'm talking to a baby. But in theater and everything, the accents used to be a little more of a thing than they are now. And what's that? Different types of, for English-speaking people, because it's the way they see the world, right? Everything. <laughs> but they would do different accents, where you're from. I'm a Frenchman. And there'd be people that taught this. Actually, just one guy, right? Robert Easton, is that his name? And he's responsible for a lot of the exaggerated ethnic accents that we hear in movies and all. He worked very actively in the latter part of the 20th century, uh, reinforcing these ideas and everything about language and speaking. And so I say to you, baby, that um, a lot of things are ways of recognizing when someone is like us or, or being willing to acknowledge that we're part of their group. So I start speaking like this, you're Baby, let's say you come to live with me, Hardy. You'll start speaking like me as a way of acknowledging, not just that you've, you know, you've learned from me, but as a way of acknowledging that you're accepting uh, part of the group's 
values. Please don't cast me out. I sound like you. And so you follow the leader, that with the, the sounds and everything like that. A lot of times when people don't sound like they're from your group that turn up in a meeting and everything, this used to be a subject of comedies back then. Listen to that fella, Gomer, like Gomer Pyle. That's mean like the whole main thing is that he's got a different way of speaking. I'd like to just do, I, I rewrote a whole redid Gomer, rethought it. And I pitched Gomer Pyle where he's just, he's not, doesn't have an accent or anything. There's no regional stereotypes. Uh, and he's just, you know, I don't know, you know, sensitive or something. So it, it didn't go over big like that, but I thought it would, uh, you know, just take the, I had a Beverly Hillbillies like that where they adjust. They just super really adjust really quickly. There are people in Tennessee that come into a lot of money, they move to Beverly Hills, and then they rapidly become indistinguishable from their neighbors. And because I didn't want, I wanted to take the hillbilly part out of it. And it was just Beverly people. And they, that didn't, they didn't go for that. I could do that on every, I had a Gilligan's Island where everybody was really just pretty much the same. There weren't any types or anything like that. And there was still, it was still wacky in my opinion. I don't think you have to take the absurdity out of a thing. If you just take, uh, like, there's certain elements of things that are reinforcing worldviews. So here's my thing, baby. You're going to be introduced to the idea of animals. What are animals and other living things? And you're going to be introduced to it as a hierarchy. All right? So you, tigers will be used as an example of things. And everything will relate back to a sort of human-centric way of looking at the world. And so when you look at bears or tigers or shrimp, or anything like that. They, were all, they all have worth relative to human beings, and then uh, you will also feel free to, to evaluate their worth relative to you as an individual human, which is fantastically arrogant and wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. You're catching on that you're in the, in the monkeys. You are in the monkeys, and not the boy, not the group. There's monkeys in the monkeys. So... Aren't monkeys silly? Monkeys are uh, held up by humans unironically a lot of times as just an example of like, aren't we just like them sometimes? No, indistinguishable, indistinguishable. You're, you're seeing too fine a uh, difference there. I can't see any, any difference in that. Uh, but anyway, so you'll, and, and then you'll be gone field trips. You'll go to animal prisons. And I'll get into that in a minute. But you're going to really, there's a way of seeing the natural world, and it's going to be embedded in a lot of things that you see, baby. So uh, I'm, all I'm asking is that you be cognizant of this. Now, you don't have to, you know, it can uh, make you emotional if you think of it on some level. So you have to have, have a little bit of resentment for elephants or whatever. Some of them are real jerks. I've met some that are not, no, I don't know. <laughs> Just don't idealize anything. It doesn't help. So uh, try to see things uh, clearly. You know, you can be compassionate without being you know, naive to the reality of things. Because I, I will list. I will now list a lot of our human, uh, non-human animal cousins that you should not commune with, especially in the nude. 
piranhas, a uh, large variety of constrictors and snakes. Um, surprisingly, some toads. Um, oh, it goes on, though. I could go on. Sharks. Oh, I would be all day naming type of sharks. Oh, my goodness. There's all sorts of... There are deep-sea sharks. This is what's remarkable to me. That have the same exact face as your high school chemistry teacher. It's just a coincidence. But you look and you go, what the... Lord, what is going on at the bottom of the ocean? Is it a land of nightmarish dreams? And it is in a way, but it isn't a land of nightmarish dreams. It is the fact that your real knowledge of the world that you are living in is so narrow, as my grandmother would say. Narrow, she meant. So I believe that there are ways of expanding your vision, expanding your knowledge of things is one thing, looking. And so we are going to go on an imaginary journey from the very smallest thing. What? No, hang on. I'm getting a call. Okay, I won't give you, I'm not going to give you any specific information about creatures right now. I was just told not to. Why? Because I'm wrong about a lot of things. Um, so I had this whole thing about crocodiles and alligators and gariels, right? And, uh, and someone said, stop. You don't know what you're talking about. And then I realized that I really didn't know what I was talking about with any specific kind of animal. And then I realized that the, really the problem was, now I'm going to say the name wrong, baby, I'm glad you're a baby, because I'm going to say Sonsen's Carnival of the Animals. It wasn't even him, you idiot, it's blurp blurps. Well, anyway, that Carnival of the Animals thing, that was one of my first... A classical music kind of experience. A, a cousin whose brow was slightly higher than my family's. How does how does uh, she do that? Look at her brow is so much different than than ours. It's a little higher, and she speaks a little differently. And she looks at us with with love, but pity and disdain. And she took me to a concert in the big city. So we went in and uh, to the big city. And saw this carnival of the animals thing. I think that's the way I'm. It probably wasn't that at all. I wonder what it was. It was it was Ravel's Bolero or something. No, it wasn't. It was because and then they'll go like, um, uh, this clarinet here is some animal that toots similar in a similar reedy way. I don't know. Uh, the bassoon or something is um, something big, a big giant sloth. They're extinct. And then they run you through the whole, you know, gamut of, fam of, of, of animals, all the type of animals there is. And I think there's 12 or something. They have to make a, a tootie or stringy sound or something because it's an orchestra. And I can't remember what animal sounds like timpani. Well, I guess if a large li a lizard the size of a building, it's dewlap flopping might sound like a timpani or something. I don't know. You know, a lot of the dinosaurs we now know from time machines uh, made sounds. And we can say that on their skull shape and everything. A lot of their skulls are shaped like modern musical instruments. And we think, hey, maybe that, you know, 
this this hadrosaur has a didgeridoo on its head. So it must have just sounded like, is there, oh, there's like some kind of hippie convention going on. No, it is a bunch of hadrosaurs coming over the swamps in Haddonfield. They didn't even know Haddonfield, New Jersey was going to be named after them. And then they, they go, you know, uh, and it sounds like, man, it sounds like the Australian tourism board is coming right at you. And it's these, these dinosaurs, but they're gentle vegetarians. They're not gonna, they're not gonna hurt you unless they step on you accidentally. That's the thing. It's not easy. Oh, the morality of animals. Say, so, well, uh, are, is man the only moral uh, creature? And I go, no. By saying man, it's funny because you may. I feel like you've named a particularly immoral creature, but uh, human beings in general are not. Uh, I don't know. Are they the only more? I get there. Maybe there is none, would be my guess. And you say, well, what about elephants? That when someone, a stranger comes, they invite the elephant, invites it in the tent and everything. I think you're thinking of the biblical character Abraham. But I, maybe there are animals that are like that. I've been, I'm trying to think if I have been welcomed anywhere the way I was by uh, the Spanish. I had French neighbors that were real. I lived in France briefly and when I was on a mission um, for the, the government, not our government. And then, uh, and they were very welcoming to me. And they say, you, we know that you're a different kind of animal. Um, we can sense it because you, you know, you eat right out of the bowl or something. I would go to restaurants and you know how Americans are. You eat with, you just put your face right on the plate. You don't use hands or utensils. And uh, I would do that, and they were very accepting of me because they knew that different people had different ways of doing things, and that extends to animals. You know, I've known people that have uh, dogs. You get into understanding how dogs think and what they expect and what their little code is, and their code is, I'm hungry. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry. There's a sound. I'm hungry. Things like that. And uh, people have exotic pets. And start saying, what is my iguana thinking? Under there. Underwear. No, no, no. Anyway, so they, you all, the, and I don't know, people have even more exotic pets than that. Oh, dear. You know, sometimes they have no business keeping. And people have been, you know, killed by their own exotic pet animals, which is just hard. One was like, I don't know, it was a secretary bird or a some large, like, uh, ostrichy type thing, but some of those have like a big claw, right? Like a sharp, nasty gut opening, and that hit the farmer with it, and that was it, and eviscerated the person. It's master. And that's what they used to say when I was young with the, with dogs and vis-a-vis your pets. They would say, you know, you were the dog's master, and I quickly. It's like, I don't think so, because I've no, been talking to the dog, and the dog's like, no, you're not. You're not, though. And we came to an agreement, and we agreed that that was, a very, that was kind of a toxic thing and that we should see this more as some sort of symbiotic thing. We've evolved together. Let's just face it. Now we sort of need one another. I, I think it's weird because I feel like my dependence on the dog is psychological, and it's is, you know, more practical.
you know, my dog's like, beats hunting. And I'm like, oh, I'm forgetting why I got the dog. But then it's, you know, when I start to project, you know, when I start to anthropomorphize it, I think, well, now I realize why. It's a type of, it's a type of weird puppet. And I'm, you know, it's of the Charlie McCarthy level so that I can really, I'm shooting some sort of soul into it with my imagination. Oh, but dogs do have, I don't know. I don't know what they do and don't have. I honestly don't. I don't mean to be uh, uh, philosophically irritating, baby, but I really don't. I'm, you know, I'm, my job is to come talk to you about this. And uh, I don't have anything to say because I'm, the more I learn, the more confused I am. You're going to start asking me about free will. Free will. I don't think. I think we've misunderstanding it. You know, there was this movie where they had this book that said to serve man, and they thought that the aliens were there to help them, and it turned out to be a cookbook. Well, I think free will has to do with, we go, free will, that sounds wonderful. No, no, will has been imprisoned in the shadow dimension, and there is none anymore, and we are all, you know, robots to our uh, biology. And beyond that, we are we are slaves to our to physics and we are uh, a driven leaf propelled by the big bang so we have no we are a domino in an okay go video right we are we are a bowling ball in an okay go video it's just like that we're like it's like being a car in an okay go video or something like that where you just one thing hits another so, you know, is there any anything that you can do, baby? You're going to say, well, I feel like I'm making decisions. Exactly. Go right on feeling that. It's somehow necessary. Don't stop doing it. So I'm sorry. It just seems contradictory. Keep learning things, even though ultimately I have bad news. There's another person that comes and explains to you about all that horrible darkness as it approaches. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they surprise you. It's so funny. If you're around long enough, we'll give you a vision of your own demise and death, and you can, you can imagine it and dream of it frequently. But sometimes we like to catch you off guard before you've even really even thought about it. And that's, that's fine. And what that usually means is that you, you die in, uh, in what, we call, what we call intestate, which would mean without a will. So, because you didn't... Oh, there's that word again, will. Uh, I have gathered all you babies around to read to you the will of someone that you have never met. You had a rich uncle, a rich mad uncle, and uh, before you were even born. And now you're just little beautiful little babies. Look how helpless you are. Oh, I'm, look at my tears. I'm proud. Apologize, getting my tears on you, on on your uh, brand new self. Look at you. I'm so sorry. But once you go, when do I, when will the, when will the uh, pity, though, turn into, yeah, they deserve it? I don't know when that happens. Middle school? I don't think anybody deserves the, the suffering that we get as humans. And uh, that's why we don't fully acknowledge it. You go, it's not so bad. Yeah, you have to say that, don't you? Because you know it's soul-crushing and body-crushing because it's uh, unbearable. It would be unbearable without each other. You just don't realize that. It is, it is like this. I've got to tell you this, baby. It's like this. The ceiling's coming down. If you were, sta if you were the only one standing up, it would hit the top of your head and 
crush you like that. But if we're all standing up, the ceiling hits us, and the force is kind of dissipates. And while we all feel that pressure, we are able to stave off the crush of the falling ceiling. You do need others. We need others. And, and, and how is it easy to get along? No, none of it. Is. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And even inherited wisdom. You know, you say, well, you know, institutional knowledge when they talk about corporations. Just knowledge in general, man, is hard to sustain, hard to pass on. It gets forgotten. And, you know, you may have things, man, my friends and I got it figured out, and we're trying to teach the children, you know, and uh, we didn't get it all done. Whoops. And then it either starts over again or... So that's why we put together these tapes so that we could talk to you little babies, and I assume that an adult is playing it for you, or like I said, you're, I'm 38. Okay, you're 38 now. I started listening to you at college. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Now I feel old. All right, now you're really, you're, you're getting me a little bit now. I don't want to think a little bit about time. Um, bless you. Bless you. I love you and I need you. Appreciate you. I love to, um, I love to hear appreciation in people's voice. I always, I hear a little, um, a little defeat in mine when I thought, not defeat, but I love the, uh, the, the crust has been knocked off of me in a beautiful way that I, I relish. Now I'm making myself hungry. Crusty relish would be lovely to have right now. But I, I, you know, uh, the more uh, vulnerable I uh, admit to myself, the more I can, I can be grateful too and understand others. It's given me a sort of strength that I didn't think it would. A friend the other day said they really can't stand exercising and they've been running and they've been running with a friend who likes to run. So, but they get up in the morning before it's, this person doesn't drink coffee either, which makes me want to throw up. And they get up in the morning when it's still dark, and they go off running like in the woods in the section near their house that's sort of wooded. And they go off and they run this wooded path in the morning, in the dark, with headlamps. And, and, and my friend said, it's agony. You know, when I start, it's just the worst thing in the world. And every morning, it never gets better. I've been doing it for months. It, it just feels wretched. And then it starts to feel a little better. And then, you know, it starts to feel pretty, pretty good. You know, I pushed myself sort of outside of my comfort there, and uh, it starts doing its uh, thing, and I get used to the exertion, and it's not as oppressive anymore, and I'm just, um, I'm moving, I'm moving forward, and I say, that's great, that's, you're making me so tired, and so one of the things I would say to you, baby, is get, uh, just get a little exercise, if you can, you might not be able to, what's this have to do with anything? It is a constant meditation on futility. It's better than prayer because it hurts. And you go, like, I get it now. And this is pointless. It's pointless, but the effort is necessary. Like, it's, it's so strange. It's just like washing your dishes. You go, oh, I have to do them every day. Right. And then you won't. I don't know how to explain it more to find that there's, there can be a satisfaction in, in this strange 
vapory cloud world of dreams where everything seems to be undone and nothing is permanent and you can't even pass on wisdom or experience. It's all experiential and then it's very hard to quantify it and to communicate it. And it's just something you got to go through being this animal. Now, also, you're going to hear people going to tell you, a lot of them in the same medium that I am using will tell you what's going to happen to you when you die or what happened to you before you got here. So you'll notice that I'm not even telling you what's happening to you now because I don't know. So what I really super don't know is what happened to you before you got here and what will happen to you when you're gone because I don't know what those terms mean exactly. I just know you experience things and you don't experience things from your point of view. I don't know whether you know what being gone is or will ever or couldn't ever know what that means. You know, when you die, I'll watch you die. When I die, I will not watch me die. And I will actually miss my own death because I'll be dead. So it's not part of the experience. And if life is just experience, then the experience is the experience within the experience and outside the experience is not experienceable. You don't understand because either you're a baby or you're, I'm 65. You're 65. I'm 72. You're 72. I think I understand a little. You have to think that. You know you have to think that. I do. I'm sad. You're not sad. I know. Um, we're all sorts of ages listening right now, I think. Even very young people. Don't be scared. Oh, you're talking about birth and death to very young people? They understand if they've ever had a, a pet. One of my, I knew by four or five or something because when I was young, people had these really very, very ill-advised small little turtles that you got at, boy, it'd be getting them, if you'd be like getting them at uh, Walgreens or something, that's going to disappear soon. But it, maybe it was literally with them. They've been around a long time. But it was like at the five and dime, you get these little turtles. They had little birds, too. And you take them home, and they're full of disease, and they die. And they make you so sick. They make everyone sick with salmonella, and, and uh, it's horrible to keep them. And everything about the whole experience is horrifying. And it's, it's, it's a way of, uh, it's a little welcome. It's the, one of the welcome wagons to life. Say, like, hey, welcome, welcome to life. We're just dropping off a couple things for you, coupons and awareness of death, things like that. So welcome to the neighborhood and um, uh, good luck. And uh, here's my card. I sell something you don't need. I hope I don't sell something. I'm not selling you anything. That's why they, that's the ones they get to come talk to you about these things are people that have no stake in it because they'll have a reason to lie to you you know if i'm if i have a let's say i have a circus and i'm i've got elephants or something the elephant propaganda is going to be off the chart so here look i got to justify having a hippo it was so horrifying to me as i learned as an adult that hippos don't have stumpy little teeth 
that look like, you know, white tree stumps. But that's because they've had their fangs sawed off so they don't scare people, you know, because they're fanged river horrors, these things. They're beasts, prehistoric, they're poo-flinging fanged horror beasts. And for some reason, we have to, you know, we want to observe them. But when we observe them, we make them different, you know, and we we wreck it all. Now that's got to be, that's going to be a metaphor for something else. So watch out for those. You know, the way that we treat and think about animals is the way that we treat and think about ourselves. So be aware of that. Say, are there, you say there's animal prisons. Are there prisons for humans? Well, interesting that you should mention that. Yes. So, you know, maybe there's different criteria for getting in them. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe there isn't. Who knows? Well, we do know. We do and we don't. We do. You don't. I don't want to explore it right now. Is that all right? I want to stay on message a little bit. What is the message? The an animals. What? The me my message is animals. Well, wait a minute. It's got to be a little more than that. It has to be about life. That's so broad. You know I'm not going to give you much information. Maybe I'm just here to uh, keep an eye on you. I perhaps have been tricked into babysitting. Because they were said, go speak to the baby, the infants. They tell me this all the time. There's a new human born, Hardy. Go speak to them. Tell them about what it means to be an animal. That's your thing. You're going to be like the biology, even though I'm not a biologist. They go, it doesn't matter. Close enough. I'm not close enough. I mean, I know a few. That's good. You can ask them if you get into hot water. All right. But uh, you're going to do that. Why don't you concentrate on that and, uh, and explain evolution to the baby or something like that. And then uh, and I go, okay, you know, I don't know that it'll sink in. And they said, well, you remember baby Mozart? And I go, well, you mean Mozart is a baby? And they go, no, 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 no. Uh, it's this, it was this thing in the 90s. And they go, oh, well, if you play Mozart for children accompanied by just disembodied toys or something flipping around, it will make a genius. You'll make a genius. And um, so this apparently, this works for anything. So it depends on what kind of genius you want to make. So if you make, you know, you make a Mozart genius, you'll get like a genius that's like Mozart and as a person. Maybe he wasn't so hot. Who knows? But then there's all sorts of other things. You can uh, play Shelley Berman comedy records to the infant. Uh, some of this can be done in utero. You know, people did that as a joke, would, would play, uh, you know, Nirvana's In Utero, In Utero, and they go, we're getting a, we're going to have a grungy uh, baby. It's going to come out in flannel or something like that. And uh, people would, it was a big, it was a big thing. And so Hardy, we're going to have you, if you would talk about these, you know, kind of philosophical, spiritual matters with the baby, it might not understand it, but it will, it will seep in. 
You know, much the way when you, you bathe or you take something sublingually, you put it under, under your tongue and then absorb it and then spit it out, spit it out, or you'll, you'll, you know, you'll trip balls. So the, um, you know, that's the thing here. The baby is not going to understand what you're saying. And I'll say, well, you know, but it'll get the gist of it. And they go, well, probably not even that. But it'll get used to hearing people prattle on, especially people like if you're a particular demographic, which they're going to have to be able to learn to deal with. So, you know, I mean, they're going to have to make, like, make it through a TED Talk maybe or something like that. That's a coping strategy. It's a survival mechanism. You have to tell them how do you do it. What do you focus on? Person's up there. They're telling you about their little theory and everything. They got one of those headsets. Those headsets are like... You can't tell that it's a headset at first. It's just a black thing floating in front of you. Is that, is that a mole or something on it? They go, oh, no, it's like it's like the little mic of this weird partially invisible headset and all that kind of stuff. You have to deal with that. And then they're, they're speaking about things and your mind wanders. You know, mind shepherding is like, I would say, so much of just life is being like a border collie for your attention just trying to get around and bark it back into the corral or whatever. Because my, my, I mean, maybe it's neurological and it's just, you know, but I really, really just am a really look off to the right person, you know? So that's what I mean by that is like, I'll, the thing I'm supposed to be looking at is in front of me and I'll make it for a little while and then I just sort of like look off to the right. I mean, what's that over there? My mother, well, she can stop mid-sentence and just absolutely change the subject and focus on everything. It's remarkable. It's something. She'll be answering a question for you and boom, see something out of the corner of her eye and she will go off in another direction and it's and another time. She will enter another timeline. So it's like the thing she was talking about wouldn't even happen and that moment will never recur. It'll be gone forever. Isn't that amazing? I love that. It's just living your, living your life like a dendrite, just rushing off into tangents infinitely. And, and life is like that a little bit. It's a, it's a little bit fractally, you know? Am I getting anywhere? You're running on this branching, this tree that keeps going. You're just like, now we go to the left, now to go to the right, now to go to the right again, now we go to the left. Where am, I, am I headed in a direction? It's like, I don't know, you're on a branch. You're shooting off. Everybody else is shooting off in other directions, too. It's remarkable. And uh, do I want to think much about it? Do a lot of really exhausting work would be my... Either work out a lot or get a job that just leaves you drained at the end of the day. That's the only, my, my only advice. Because um, farming could be that. Because it's not bad advice. I don't mean something that makes you, um, you know, bad drained at the end of the day. Because I, mean, I like... I like doing physical things. So digging ditches and I'd, at the end of the day, I'd be like, man, I'm, this is great. I'm going to sleep the sleep of the sleepy. So, uh, you, you know, not those jobs that grind you down. That like, At the end of the day, you're exhausted, meaning that your, your will to live has been drained out of you like a corpse's blood and replaced with some sterile, horrible formaldehyde that's supposed to preserve you, but it doesn't. It just leaves you as this thing that's between organic and inorganic. 
Oh, no, don't cry, baby. Don't cry. Oh, potential for joy is there. You shouldn't live for that, though. Um, that can be rough. I'm living for these. Um, where are the, my joyous moments? You know, I don't know. Develop a taste for, for the odd, you know, umami or something. Have a salted sour plum. Can't, you know, it's not all candy. So I remember I went off sugar for a while. Just all, and I'm still trying to. And when you do that, Cheerios are sweet. You know, it's weird the things that you could suddenly taste sugar in things. And uh, I don't know. I hear what you're, I am, I'm changing my Kung Fu regimen. Do that. Did I just help? You did. You made me think of something completely unrelated, but it's helpful. Oh, th excellent. I've had that as a compliment, saying uh, I, it's not the content of what you say, Hardy, but the, the sound of your words and your voice have helped me through things, but only in like an ASMR kind of way. You know, I, I can sleep better when you're speaking to me. I can drift off and have my own thoughts. Okay, all right, I'll take the compliment. So I, I realize that there's that, there's that, but the, uh, there is that being a musician too. Let's say you were a musician and you think, well, you can't police how people use your music, you know? And you'll hear people say things, you know, like, I love it, I love your music, I use it when I'm clubbing seals or something awful, uh, or use it when I'm uh, uh, whatever. But it's not the intended, it's off-label, or you think it is. And it's really hard. You can't control what people get out of your art sometimes. And so understand that. So, you know, I did not write that song to be used to sell beans. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, sorry. I don't know. It, it's difficult to keep things to you. It's a little retentive. So your poos are gone. They seem like your poos, but now they're not. You've pooed them. They, when they were still in you, they were. But once they're out, they've been pooed. And I feel that with, way with songs. And um, I got that because with my own work, they go, man, Hardy, you write a lot of songs. You're just pooping them out. And I'm going, yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, maybe you'll be lucky enough to have, uh, to have um, uh, a copper light, you know, that will fossilize one of your song turds and that it'll be then, you know, there forever but without the odor. But my my music's pretty freshly freshly expressed, so it hasn't. Uh, people don't know what to do with it yet. I still have to, to keep it. If you extend the whole analogy, then like SoundCloud is like a diaper genie. When you really think about it, I'm gonna. Should I start? I feel like I'm this close to hitting fruit with a hammer. I hope I never do that for you. I want to really be something better, your heart. But you know, I'm 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 an animal. I do animal things, and uh, I try not to. You know, which ones do I glorify? Which ones do I accept? Uh, eating is weird. You know, our relationship to getting food is so 
So good, good luck working that out because that's complex. And, you know, you're going to want to eat, like, things and creatures, maybe even. Who knows? I don't know what, you know. Good luck navigating that. And uh, so you're going to be driven by a lot of things that you inherit. And nobody is claiming responsibility for giving any of them to you. It's just this big web of stuff you got that everybody else got too, and it's happening too fast for you to really make sense of it or do anything about it. And I'm speaking to you uh, because uh, some of us want to have some sort of little uh, micro protection or something. You know, we want to band together a little bit to help mitigate some of the preventable suffering that we have experienced. And so we want to say things to you, baby, to let you know how it is. And we want to open our hearts to you and tell you what we went through, what we think you might go through, and how to make those experiences less painful for yourself and others. And then what you do with that is up to you, really. Uh, certainly I'm not here with the punishing committee. That's a great name for something. Maybe just a bowling team. But punish the punishing committee would be great. Not a band. Not everything's a band name. Some things are amateur sports team names, you know. Well, it's a band name. Nope. Nope. It might not be. It might be a children's cartoon from the 70s or something. I like to keep, I keep an open mind, but I keep it, you know, swept out and everything. I don't let you go, anything can come in. Not really, you know. It's an open plan. I didn't say there were no walls. You know, it's a loft, but it's not, you know, it's not a big, it's not a scout hut or something. I can keep some things out for my own protection and uh, keep some things in for the protection of others. Oh, I am of a full heart because I've, I've taken all your baby energy. Is that why you're all kind of gray? Let me put, I'll put some back in. I'm sorry. It's hard now. I've kind of empirically, uh, you know, took some of your um, essence. I didn't mean to do that. It was just sitting right there. Um, but now you got it back and you've got so much potential ahead of you or not. And it doesn't matter. It's this moment. Oh, we can stretch it out. It really is sort of infinite. I'm, I'm reckoning it by dividing it up with words. But if I didn't, you would see that it goes down a lot deeper. It's like looking into a little hole. Imagine that, baby. That you come up to a moment. And in that state of silence. In that state of wonder. In that state of postponing any expectations, you look into this hole, into this well, and it goes deep, and perhaps infinitely deep. It just depends on how long you can keep staring into it. Eventually, you'll have to lift your head up and do things and everything, and then it's gone, and then you have another one. So it's just staring into wells. They're beautiful, but they are lined with things. It's just not a scary, sterile well. It's more like that 
that Lewis Carroll won, that Alice won. It's got wonderful things all in it, everything. It contains everything. So all these moments, all these infinite moments also contain infinity. That sounds like gobbledygook. Have you had good gobbledygook? You've probably never had well-made gobbledygook, and you've looked down on it. Because I feel people that have like, oh, get filter fish, that stuff in jars? No, you got to make it, you got to homemade. It's good. Same with gobbledygook. You know, there's gobbledygook and there's gobbledygook. And of course the kind you get where they're using it for, to, for like packaging material or something or for just garbage. That's, but there's quality gobbledygook. There's stuff that works. And it doesn't matter if it has substance. And it doesn't matter if it works sometimes. You should always have an awareness that uh, it, it is an illusion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to go live your life with placebos, you know. But there's certain wonderful self-deception that you will need and need to cultivate. So... Uh, I'm here to help you with that, I suppose. And uh, just be like, you know, contact. Drop by anytime. Oh, I don't know if that's true. We're doing the, here's the whole world sometimes is like being at a college, being at a university that has residential colleges, you know, uh, or something like that. Or I didn't want to say gangs or anything, but we all have our little, or, or mastodon instances right, or some kind of server, you know, we're all little communities, and uh, we're all kind of connected uh, through our little communities, and uh, care about the people we care about, and everybody else we care about in theory, and that's why I'm here, is I'm an ambassador from the radio, the radio is its own world. The radio is its own culture. When I was young, I was abducted by a radio. I was merely listening to it. I had my ear to the speaker, and something pulled me in. It was the voice on the other end. It came from a ghost. A ghost that was part of my family. Not literally. Not literally. But the family in my head. The family that was here before I got here. They were on the radio, and now I wanted to be. I wanted to be there, too. I wanted to be in that world because that world was connected to my bed, to under my cover. It went from under my covers in my bed, in my most secure place, in my fondest place, in my happiest, most content, safest place. It went there into infinity, into everything, into a a world of traffic and cars, cities at night, bustling, people doing things, riding in taxis, walking on the sidewalk. I could hear it all in the voice. I knew there was another world happening, and I was safe and watching it like a sort of god, like a child god. And I got that through the radio, and I realized it could be anything. And I wanted in. I wanted in badly. And when I wanted in, I felt it tug at my ear. I felt it pull me in.
and then I was inside. And here I have been trapped for years now, stuck in your radio, and somebody has set it down in front of you, little baby. And maybe you're not little anymore. Maybe you're a, a big baby. You're a big baby. I'm, never, I'm not here to chide you. I don't do tough love. Tough love, that's like saying tough, I got tough cotton candy for you. Tough candy floss. No. Some things are, by definition, gentle. And that's what I'm here to do. You could have a better blanket that's made of granite. Not better, though, is it? Because that's not what it's for. It might last longer. Certainly will insulate you against warmth or cold. But it isn't what you need. Oh, you need the blanket of your radio friend. You need the voices of the past to speak to you compassionately with a little bit of trepidation in their voice, but also giving you the confidence and the hope that when you are alive, when you navigate this complicated place, that you will realize that you are not wanting. It is a strange world, and not knowing is built into it, and confusion and mystery are built right into it. And what you are witnessing that seems like People know what they're doing or things know what they're doing and all that is essentially lies that we tell ourselves. And here's a big, uh, so make sure that when you lie to yourself, you're doing it carefully because you can start doing it about everything. Ooh, here, I'll hold on to you. I want to hold your feet as you look over the side because I don't want you to accidentally fall. When you take those big, hard looks at things, I've got you. You're tied to a line. You won't fall in the crevasse. You're supported by others. We have you. You are in a safe place to take a good, hard look at things, and we'll pick you back up. Oh, I care about you. Care about others. Form care circles with others. Make sure, try to just pluck people off the street, say, I care about you. No, don't do that, but find uh, clever ways to do it. And, uh, you know, make this, if you feel uncared for, say, try to, say, I'm going to find one person to care for. All right, I'm not, no, I don't, I'm not, I'm just, I'm so glad you're a baby that you don't have to, because I don't want to argue with you. You don't have to do that at all. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go ahead. Have a get a good cereal, get a one that's like sweet but also good for you, and then just think about stuff. Do that, that's better. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you. I am so blessed that we came together like this. Is it chance or something? No, I was uh, I was put here to speak to you, little baby. It's not chance at all, it was my turn, and then I will step away someday. And some other will speak to you. And then they will also say that they are hardy white. And this is Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and worldwide, WFMU.org across the globe. 
Oh, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again next week.